Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 24's podcast. I'm back. Kind of decided to... I don't know. Not necessarily. I couldn't... Like, sometimes whenever I'm, like, trying to figure out, like, music to play as, like, the intro, I kind of just, like... Sometimes I just... I don't really have anything, and I was just like, eh, I'll just... I'll just go in without any sounds. Any music. It sounds weird, the opening, I guess. I don't know. But I don't know. I just... I wasn't feeling the music. I had some thoughts and things of that nature for it. Whew, man. Super late tonight. I'll say this. Oh, my God. I'm so fucking excited. Oh, God. Football's back. Basketball's back. I'm watching the Lakers and the Warriors. It is almost midnight. And it's still the first quarter. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Watch the new Gundam anime series. Uh, the one about, like... I forgot what it's called. It's like Gundam... Gundam, um, the witch from Mars. It's so fucking awesome. The animation is so awesome. I was watching like anime today and I was shocked at how good the actual animation was considering that like some of my, like I, like I grew up in the early 2000s watching like Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing and Naruto and considering like that was my reference point for anime, seeing like some of the shit that was going on in that TV show blew my mind. I was just like, wait, they can do that now? I was like, I always knew that they could do some really, really cool stuff, but I didn't realize, like, like I, I saw the, uh, the, I love the new season of Demon Slayer. I may actually watch it all over again because of how much I loved it. But when I watched that TV show, I was just like, oh, okay, they only can do this for like 11, 12 episodes, but it looks like the new, like usually Gundam series are like 40, 50 episodes in each season. And finally... After almost 10 fucking years, after multiple editions and re-editions of the absolute horrendous mobile, I had to like hide. I had to go into hiding for like almost a decade. Last time that a mainline Gundam anime series has been made was seven years ago in 2015. I was still in college actually at the time. Oh my god, and finally, they come out with one, it's awesome, it's a banger, I love the characters, I love the fights, oh my god, there's like one fight per episode, they probably spent all the budget on that, <laughs> I'm like, I just realized, I was like, wait, there's one fight for ep per episode, I'm like, oh, that's where all the money goes, just animating that one fight, they're like, this is what we got, we're just gonna fight it, that's it, we're just gonna make it, that's it. Oh my god. I'm excited for Gundam. Also, I I resubscribed to to Crunchyroll. I got to see like hold on. Do I like what special discounts? You get like discounts on like merch and stuff like that and I was like I want I want some free stuff. You know, I want some free merchandise. They have like the horrible sweaters, you know, that you can get. I'm like I don't want I don't want horrible sweaters, you know, if I'm like buying, you know, like the, uh, what is it? Like the, uh, the horrible Christmas sweaters. I'm like, I don't want horrible Christmas sweaters. I want, I want good stuff. I want good sweaters. Sorry, but, uh, I like resubscribe to Crunchyroll and 
it's like I got all of these, like, uh, I got, like, all of these, uh, fucking, fucking TV shows. I got, like, Devils a part-timer. I got, like, all of these fucking stuff again. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, so excited. So excited. Yes. Getting off of my anime stuff. How was your weekend this weekend? Mine was... Mine was great. This weekend for professional football was absolutely, unequivocally random. It was filled with upsets. I've honestly never seen this amount of upsets before in my entire life. So very consistently, I just... It, it's, it's, it was exhausting. Sunday, just watching all of the picks, all of them just go up and smoke and just be like, yeah, I'm just going to be super wrong. Uh, I got the final, the final like game day predictions and it turns out I was just like freaking out and panicking way too much. It wasn't as bad. The losses weren't as bad as I originally thought, but they were and are still uh, not as good as they relatively should be. And I came away with a lot of thoughts and opinions on the NFL this weekend, as I always do, and I, like, I drew some semi-obvious conclusions and some not-so-semi-obvious conclusions, but before we get into some of the narratives and things going around the NFL, let us talk about Bryce Young, and also let's talk about Caleb Williams. I don't want to get his name wrong, but I'm like, I'm semi out of it. I'm like, is his name Caleb Williams? Yeah, that's what I thought. For some weird reason, I didn't think Caleb Williams' name was his name. Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, who had an awesome, awesome, awesome day on Saturday, as well as Bryce Young. So if you didn't see it, let me pull up the AP 20, uh, top 25. There are two, There, I mean, I mean, I, I should have known something was wrong when uh, two huge college football upsets had happened this weekend. One of those being Tennessee versus Alabama, Alabama at Tennessee, and the other being USC versus Utah. Two of the biggest upsets uh, in America. Tennessee is now a top three ranked team. Alabama has fallen out of the top four. Alabama and Tennessee a swint, uh, not a swints. Oh my god! Essentially, they swapped places. Tennessee's three, Alabama six. Do I believe Alabama is a sixth-ranked team? No. I also don't believe that Tennessee is one of the top three uh, best-ranked teams in America. But they beat Alabama, so they get their spot. So I understand that. But you know, like if we're doing power rankings, but regardless. Alabama loses to Tennessee, USC loses to Utah, so I think it boosts uh, I think it booted them all the way. Where where is USC? Are they even ranked? Yes, they are. They are ranked Where are they ranked? They are ranked at the 12th overall spot. Ironically enough, even though that they lost to Utah, they still somehow retained their spot over Utah, which just Yes, it, it makes no sense, but 
we'll we'll roll with that, I guess. So let's talk about Alabama, Alabama's Bryce Young and USC's Caleb Williams. So I saw both games live, actually, and I was on the edge of my fucking seat because the games went down to the absolute wire, right? Final second, ball game. I it was it was about to get into overtime, the Alabama versus Tennessee game. It didn't. And really, Alabama should have won that game. Let me pull up the statistics for you. Let me show you something here. So, when I first watched this game, I was like, holy fucking shit. Coming off of an injury, after Bryce Young had a shoulder strain about two weeks ago, after Alabama's defense... And really, their offensive line has played horrendous, horrendous all football game long. After Bryce Young, let me pull up his statistics here. Let me show you something. I don't know how many sacks he, he gave up. Somehow he gave up one sack against Tennessee, which if you watch that game, I have no idea how he only got sacked one time. His offensive line was dreadful all game long he must have gotten hit easily legally 10 plus times I thought that he would I thought for sure he was getting like sacked on like pretty much almost every series considering how many times he had to like scrape himself off the ground it was horrifying to watch him play football on Saturday because I was just like Jesus Christ is Alabama gonna fucking protect Bryce Young the other uh, short answer is no. His receivers were once again incredibly mediocre. And once again, his uh, his defense was terrible. They gave up 52 points. He didn't give up a single interception all game. And so, and he almost had four, he almost had 500 yards. He had 455. He almost had 500 yards. No wide receivers, a good running game, Jameer Gibbs. I've, I've done my evaluation on Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is a number one, not a number one. He's a first-round draft pick. Bryce Young, is, I'll make it short and sweet and simple. He is the best college football player in America. He should win the Heisman Trophy. He will not because he lost to Tennessee. I thought that this was going to be his Heisman game. And to me, it was, and it is. He deserves it, but he won't get it because he has a, a bitter stain on his resume, and that is, is that he lost one fucking game that was not his fucking fault, and the the thing that pissed me off the most about this game was how it ended, right? Bryce Young gets the ball back, drives down the length of the field, gets his team in a field goal range. It is a 40-yard, 41-yard, like, field goal. All his kicker has to do is walk out onto the football field, kick it. He does. He misses. I don't remember how many seconds were left. Maybe like 17-something seconds. Can I actually see the uh, the play-by-play? Do I have the play-by-play? Does ESPN actually have the play-by-play? Do they have? Uh, it Kind of. Let me, let me get the full play-by-play here. Alabama, do you have like ESPN? Okay, there's like three... Oh, yes, 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 they do have the uh, the time. Alabama missed 
the game-winning field goal with like three minutes and 11 seconds left on the clock. I was like, get one stop. Just get one stop. They didn't. Not only did they not get a stop, they let Tennessee run out the clock. Bryce Young couldn't do anything. And Alabama lost the game. And when I came away from that game, and I'm kind of surprised nobody's talking about it because I saw it. I loved it. I was like, oh, Bryce Young is the best football player. He overcame so much. He overcame a bad offensive line. He's overcome mediocre coaching. He's overcome a wide receiving core that is once again mediocre. He's overcome a defense that gave up 52 points without a turnover. They gave up 52 points without a turnover. And it's just like, what do you want Bryce Young to do? Turn water into wine. Rise from the dead on on the third day like he's Jesus Christ. There's so much one man can do. He is not a deity. He is not immortal. He is not omnipresent. He cannot do everything himself. He's one man, but that one man almost overcame literally everything that can go wrong, going wrong in a football game, and he almost won the football game. He was poised. He got brutalized. He scraped himself off the turf. He made every single one of his teammates better. He has the intangibles. Everybody's going to comment that he's 5'10", or he's short. He's, he's short. He's short. He's short. And it's just like, how long are we? He's like he's listed at six foot. Some people say he's 5'10". Five, five. I don't care how fucking tall he is. I don't care. I don't. I've seen his arm. He has a great arm. They should bench Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Take a seat. You're done. If I was his agent, I'd be like, Bryce, only play if you're 100% Alabama's on their own. They've screwed you over. They've acted selfishly. They've hired Bill O'Brien to be their offensive coordinator. Bryce? 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 Sit your ass down. You're the number one player overall in the draft. It's not even close. The reason why I bring this up, and by the way, I feel the exact same way about Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams... Had a similar day, awesome, just went gangbusters against US, not USC, against Utah, didn't matter, his team let him down, I mean, Lincoln Riley's always had terrible defenses, but he went for broke against Utah, defense gave up essentially the game winning drive and bada bing bada boom, the game was over with. I feel the exact same way about both quarterbacks, but I feel significantly more strongly about Bryce Young than I do Caleb Williams. Problem with Caleb Williams is that Caleb is not eligible for the NFL until I think next year, I believe. I believe he started last year, right? Or is he? Uh... Yeah. He's a sophomore. But Caleb. He's going to come out next year. I think he may win the Heisman next year. We will see. But Bryce, to me, should and can be the number one overall player in next year's draft. And I bring all of this up to say, like, look, if you're a team, that sucks. Like, for example, if you're the Lions or the Panthers or the Falcons or the Saints, or really, if you, I mean, I'm not going to like start draft conversations so super hard tonight and really um, over the course of the next couple of months. 
But I feel like a really, really bad team is going to strike out with one of the best quarterback prospects I've seen since, like, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think he's probably Alabama's best quarterback with Alabama's worst offensive line and worst wide receiving core and mediocre coaching, and he's still getting the job done. It's it's insane. He makes college football look like fucking child's play. His pre-snap recognition, his, like... His throwing mechanics, his intelligence, his athleticism, like it all fits. It's all there. He has a really, really great arm, really, really good arm, you know. It's not like Patrick Mahomes or whatever, but it's like it's strong enough where he can make every single throw that he needs to make up and down the football field. He elevates his teammates. I don't know who the fuck his wide receivers are. They're overrated, but he's getting the job done with these guys. I don't know who he was throwing the foot. Honestly, no idea who the fuck he was throwing the football to. I don't know who's who was his number one guy uh, on Saturday. He had 455 yards. He had one guy last year in Jamison Williams. And he fucking popped off. There's going to be one team that's going to suck. And there's going... I mean, there's going to be multiple teams that are going to suck. And it looks like the teams that are going to be in the running for Bryce Young are more likely than not going to be like the Texans, the Lions, and the Panthers. The Falcons are like 3-3. Three and three. I think they've won too many games to be in the running for Bryce Young. But I think Bryce Young, what he was able and capable of doing on Saturday night was nothing short of elite and like game-changing and record-changing for him and, him and his family. And... He, even further than that, and even more important than that, like, I think he just solidified his just ballot, or not even his ballot, but, the, like, the title of the number one overall pick. I don't know of anyone who's as good as Bryce Young, and I don't even think it's close. Speaking of quarterbacks, you know, last year, or technically this year for quarterbacks I was a little bit bashful I was like I don't like like I said I think Kenny Pickett is like a top 10 player in the draft I was a little bit bashful I was just like you know I don't want to over I don't want to you know overextend my my reach I don't want to like put myself out there too too much I like Kenny Pickett a lot granted I was a lot higher on him than a lot of other people but even then I was like, I don't know if he's a top, I, I think he's a top 10 guy, but I don't necessarily know if he's a top five guy. And I think that's obvious with Kenny Pickett's win over Tampa Bay on Sunday. The reason why I bring up Kenny Pickett and his win against Tampa Bay, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth here in a couple of minutes, we'll talk about it from the Tampa Bay side, is, look man, I always say it, this league, no matter how shitty the offenses play, no matter how just absolutely horrifying some of the offenses are, and no matter how good the defenses become, right now, this is a quarterback-driven league, and you have to have a fucking quarterback to win fucking football games, and I think, I mean, not even I think. It's just as simple as this. Like, when you watch Kenny Pickett play 
at Pittsburgh, you saw somebody not exactly like Bryce Young because I don't think the level of talent that Kenny was playing up against in college was the exact same that Bryce is having to play against in the SEC. But you saw a player that essentially was just carrying the football team with Jordan Addison, which is why everybody in Pittsburgh was salty when Jordan Addison left Pittsburgh for USC. It happens. I get it. But you saw a player in Kenny Pickett essentially carrying that football team, being the leader. Everybody made made a, like a whole narrative about the fucking gloves, two-handed gloves, two-handed gloves. I don't like a guy who wears two gloves, but I also don't really care as long as he can throw the football accurately and as long as he doesn't really have a lot of fumbles because everybody was like, this is the NFL, this is the big leagues, da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, if he's not fumbling in college, he probably won't fumble in the NFL. Even and, and nobody, nobody listen to Kenny Pickett explain this. I'm like infuriated with people who are just like, yeah, he'll just fumble when he gets into the NFL. And it's just like, well, he wears, he wears the, um, the gloves to like get a better, like, I think, I think it's like, I don't know how he like explained it, but it's like, like it's, um, what was it? I think he was like talking about like having like a different type of grip on the ball. Not necessarily that he needs more grip because at this point, nobody knows anything. By the way, nobody knows anything about hand position on the football. You'll have quarterbacks with tinier hands or smaller hands like Patrick Mahomes grip the ball in such a way that it doesn't, like it it breaks kind of the uh, the conventional means of gripping a football. Like he essentially grips it like, a baseball player will grip a baseball where like his index finger is on the tip and the point of the ball, right? Instead of on, instead of having his hand like be on the laces. And that's what helps him grip the ball better. Having kind of this like unconventional grip on the ball. There's a lot of unconventional grips. Nobody cares about it. Like people are finding ways and, and things of that nature to get around like the whole boring, oh my God, we got to grip the ball this way. Ah, bah, 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 bah. It's just like, dude, like, it's the 21st century. People have figured out new, better ways of gripping footballs. In the case of Kenny Pickett, I think that's kind of the same thing where he wears two gloves, where it's just like he grips the ball different, but it doesn't discount his ability to grip the ball. Kenny Pickett has had a fine couple of weeks. He really has. And he didn't even finish off the fucking game. It was Mitchell Trubisky, by the way. But I think even then the game was kind of like over with, to be honest with you, because it was like seven to three after Kenny Pickett got concussed. And I saw that play and I was like, oh, he's done. Oh, yeah. He's not coming back. It was like the exact same way that that Tua had gotten concussed where he like gets thrown to the uh, to the ground and he like slams the back of his head into the turf. And I'm like, oh, he's done. He's done. It sucks, but, you know, it happens. Pittsburgh has a nice group of wideouts, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, among others. They need to work on their offensive line, but overall, Kenny Pickett, I mean, he should have been a top five guy. And really, like, when I was watching the draft, it's October, so about six months ago, when I was watching the draft, my 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 thought, and I was so sure about this, that Carolina was going to take Kenny Pickett. 
I was like, I was so sure about that because I was like, they had met with him. He was definitively the guy. He was the quarterback. Carolina had needed a quarterback. It was very obvious. And I was just like, why just make a push? Be aggressive, a little bit more aggressive, either in the draft or in free agency. They weren't aggressive in either. They drafted Matt Corral, who kind of seemed like a bust. And they kind of missed out on a top five pick. Pittsburgh's fucking juiced up. Pittsburgh's gassed up. They're excited about Kenny Pickett. They're probably, I mean, not even probably, they're more excited about Kenny Pickett than they were about Ben Roethlisberger when he came out. They were like, we know Kenny. Kenny is from Pittsburgh. He's technically from New Jersey, but he played at Pitt. They know who he is. They respect him. They love him. And when he, when I saw him play at college, I was just in college. I was just like, yeah, he's kind of playing in a weaker conference, playing in the AAC, but he won, he won the title. And again, it's like he was doing it with not really a lot of help outside of Jordan Addison. Did he beat Clemson? I don't think so. I think Clemson was already like out of it at that point. Let me um let me look at the 2021 schedule. Hold on. Oh no, they did. Oh no, they did. They beat Clemson, who God knows why they are a top five ranked team right now when they sucked horrendously last year. But yeah. Pittsburgh beat them. I feel like it was a big swing and a miss with Kenny Pickett by everyone, kind of including me, even though I was significantly more right than everybody else because everybody was like, eh, maybe he's a first-rounder. And I was like, eh, no, he's he's a first-rounder. He's definitively a first-rounder. But I definitively should have had him in my top five, and he probably should have been a more sought-after and more valued. You know what? I'll say it. I think Detroit probably should have drafted him. Jury is still out on Malik Willis, who I love, out of Liberty. I think he's getting better. What's Tennessee's record right now? Is Tennessee really just not? I mean, everybody in Tennessee is juiced up about Malik Willis, just as everybody in Pittsburgh is juiced up about Kenny Pickett. But what's their their record right now? Tennessee is 3-2. and two. You gotta, like, I don't know. To me, it's like, they're 3-2. and two. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Are they? Yeah, they have their bye week, it looks like, last week, right? Did they Did they have their bye week last week? On Sunday? Yes, they did. It's like, they've won their last three. They lost their first two. They lost badly to the Bills, 7-41. I forgot about that. But they stepped it up. And I was about to say, I'm like, Ryan Tannehill's ass must be on the chopping block. And I'm like, oh, that's why they're on a three-game winning streak. Because his ass probably was on the chopping block. And then he was just like, oh, I got to play well. Or else I'm fried. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with the... um with the Tennessee Titans, but look, man, next year's draft is going to be imperative for the scope of the league. 
there is no standing by and standing pack. I think last year's draft technically was this year's technically it was the 2022 draft, but I think like this year it was an excuse for people to not be aggressive, for people to not take risks and for people to just kind of like let the chips fall as they may be and just kind of uh like kind of just what's the word just it's not it's not just that they weren't aggressive but it was that they were also not willing to potentially like accept the consequences of being wrong like they were like we don't want to be aggressive because we don't want to be different and be wrong you know we would rather be similar to everybody else and be wrong because then nobody can blame us but we can't be different and be wrong otherwise we'll get clowned on and i'm like well that's kind of the risk that you have to take and it's why so many teams i was just like like look at how many teams right right now are kind of in the gutter teams that really didn't make any type of risk or didn't try to have a risk or didn't attempt to do something different they're all just like, yeah, we'll just we'll just stand by and kind of let the league the league, excuse me, mob us. And now Pittsburgh is two and four. I think they're nothing. I think they're not relevant whatsoever to the whole course of like the NFL. But at the very least, like Pittsburgh, we know, has their quarterback. Maybe they can get another tackle here soon because, yikes, they need, like, offensive linemen. But overall, like, Pittsburgh has kind of done well and done right by, like, Kenny Pickett and by uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, like, they have given themselves a shot against Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow in the future. Because now it's like, oh, we don't have to roll out Mitchell Trubisky long term. It's like, oh, okay, we, we got a fucking shot. I just wanted to kind of go on that little diatribe here. I also want to talk about Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. I'll let Shannon start it off for the most part, but I'll start by saying this. So week one, Tampa Bay goes down to Dallas. They beat the crap out of Dallas. Dallas's offense plays like shit. I say as so much. I say as much that night. I'm like, oh, Dallas's offense played like shit. That was ridiculous. I also said during that football game, I was like, this is one of the worst games I've ever seen Dak Prescott play. I have no idea what's wrong with him. And this is before he got hurt. But I don't think this is reality. I think this is an anomaly. I think this is just a one-off. I said all of that that night. And then this is about like before it gets revealed that Dak gets hurt. And I knew that it was bad because it literally looked like the Russell Wilson hand injury where Russell Wilson slammed his hand, I think ironically enough, into Aaron Donald. The reason why I said ironically is enough is that I thought Dak had done the same thing where he slammed his hand into Aaron Donald, but I'm a little bit tired, and that wasn't the case at all. He had slammed his hand, and I think I think it's a Shaq Barrett. Regardless, after that night, I was like, Dallas's offense was off. They weren't very good. Tampa Bay's offense only gave up, only got one touchdown. And I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, they, they just don't have Chris Godwin, and they obviously don't have Gronk, right? But more specifically, I felt that even without Gronk, they should be fine with Cameron Brait and also with Mike Evans. 
And they kind of weren't. And so we fast forward throughout the last like month or so. And Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three and three after six weeks. They're three and three. And it's just like, wait, what? They are, I think, one game above Atlanta, right? Or are they tied? Yeah, they're tied with Atlanta. They're tied. They're 500. Atlanta's 500. Atlanta should be trying to tank. And then the thing about Atlanta that's so interesting is that Atlanta almost like caught up because I because I've talked about it all season. Teams don't want to fucking close out games. They leave the door open. Tampa Bay left the door open for Atlanta and Atlanta almost came back and won the football game going up record-wise, potentially 4 and 2, Tampa Bay going down record-wise 2 and 4. Their only wins on the season being against the Cowboys and the Saints. Can you imagine that? I mean, we don't even have to imagine it. We can just like, we can envision it. We can, I mean, it's synonymous. Those two terms are synonymous, but like, it's not that hard. It's not that much of a fantasy. It's just like, it's a little bit of reality. Like Tampa Bay is a little bit worse than what they actually are. It's like Dallas plays better. They probably should have lost to the Dallas Cowboys. If Atlanta potentially plays more consistent, they probably should have lost to Atlanta. Now it's like they're one in five. And then you hear all of these different issues with Tom. And I didn't realize that it was the whole, like, he's going to spend like three weeks away with his family would kind of be like a red herring for Tom. But back in the preseason, if you can remember this, Tom Brady had spent like three weeks away from the, or two weeks away, excuse me, from the team. He comes back. I'm like, I've never seen Tom Brady take time off during training camp to just like hang out with his family. I was like, oh, that's that's a bit of an issue. That's a bit of a problem. I've never seen him do that. To well, he has Wednesdays off because that's just that's just what he gets. To on Saturday, he goes to Robert Kraft's wedding. I don't think necessarily these things in like isolation are a problem, but when you like put them put them together and then you compare and contrast Tom Brady's whole career and his career statistics and the statistics of this se- season, you're like, oh, this is kind of a problem. Tom Brady isn't playing up to the standard that really he was and should be playing at. That's very obvious. Too, by the way. It's not like, oh, it's kind of... No, it's incredibly obvious. Here's Shannon Sharp, Undisputed. One of the only times that, like, Undisputed has had, like, a great segment. And Shannon does a great job of showcasing off Tom Brady's deficiencies this year. But Shannon Sharp, Undisputed, coming up next. Because he hadn't looked right all season. Skip, there's only one game in which he's thrown for more than one touchdown in the game. And that was against Kansas City, and they were down by three, three scores for the lion's share of that ball game. He's thrown one touchdown in all the other games, three in that game. Um, 
when you look at and I think they should be concerned because he hasn't looked right all year. He looks very stoic. He looks very unhappy. Skip, Tom Brady is fourth in the league in pass attempts, but he's 12th in touchdown passes. Everybody keeps talking about, well, he, he has the best touchdown. The man has eight touchdowns. Skip, that's his fewest touchdowns in, what, since 2013 through six games. Was Gronk not the greatest red zone target you could ever imagine? But you told me to go. He to go, right? Okay, he yeah. go. Right. Okay, he's 22nd in yards per attempt. He's 50, he has a 52 QBR, which is 15th in the league. Yeah. He's been an average quarterback. Because we compare Tom Brady. Tom Brady is here. So he'll, that's what Skip Bayless told me. Skip Bayless said, when you the GOAT, you got to grade him with the harshest of critiques. That's what you tell me all the time mm -hmm. when we talk about the other GOAT in basketball. Yeah. We judge with the harshest critique. In the red zone, he's been really bad. 50% touchdowns. 50% of the time they score when they get a red zone a touchdown. That's 20th in the NFL. The four, that's the fourth worst of his career. Only 2019, his last season in New England, and his rookie year was worse. That's what, that, let's say again, Skip. And every time, I, it's, it's always, he's throwing the tablets, he's yelling, screaming at his offensive line, and now he got fined for kicking Grady Jarrett. Now, when you ever seen Tom Brady lash out like that, Skip? Mm. And, but, he, but everything's fine. There's nothing going on. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> there's some there there, Skip. I think everybody knows that. The man, he doesn't look happy. There's a lot going on. There's a lot on his plate. Yep. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be a lot on his plate. And he's 45. He is 45. We just all about, with Tom Brady, he's he going to play this way until he's 60. No, at some point in time, his play is going to drop off. And guys have had to, like, supersede what they're capable of doing. So for me, yeah, I, I, I would be very, very concerned. Mm. Um, it got out. I, look, Skip, he could have went to the thing, but I was like, I ain't getting no pictures. Y'all not finna get me in no pictures because, you, nah, he wasn't there. But the moment they get you in that picture, Skip, it's... This is in reference, by the way, to Robert Kraft's wedding. You see? Picture get you. Knight has a thousand eyes. I'd have never known Tom was that. that thing, would you? Guess who didn't go? Guess who didn't go? The man... He hired this man 20-plus years ago to coach his football team. He wasn't there. This is how... Sorry about that. I just got... An advertisement here. Hold on. Let me skip this. Here we go. You know the deal, Skip. Miss time. Hey, going to going to uh, uh, New York. Private jet could have got you back. If you're that devoted, hey, come on back home. You probably on a G5. You probably on a G6. Who knows? Business Boeing jet. Get up to New York. Come on. It's a short. It's a short day. Friday. Most teams are done. On the East Coast, you're done by one o'clock. Hey. Shower up, do your little, little your last minute. Yeah, that's not the problem. The problem is getting back. Oh, he, he don't probably that, that party, I, I'm no, sure I it went till 2 o'clock in the morning. And that private jet, he could have slept on the way back. It's a, what, two-and-a-half-hour flight? Mm -hmm. I would have got me some good sleep. They got beds on those planes, not skip. I saw, I saw Kim Kardashian plane. She got a 650. Yeah. 100-something meal, meal. Mm -hmm. So Tom Brady could have got a plane, come on back, and that, because here's the thing, Skip. You know how it is. Remember, I told you, winning masks a lot. Had they won this game, if they'd have won this game, let's just say they won the game 28 to 10. Yeah. Are we having this discussion? No. But when you lose, guess what you do? You open yourself up to criticism for leaving and doing it. When you, you fall to three and three. And as a. Nobody they, saw them three and three skill. No, they were. Uh... That's where I'll end it. So Tampa Bay is three and three, right? Tom Brady played once again. Let me show you, maybe not even once again, because I didn't even talk about it. The final score was 18 of 20. 
Tom Brady goes 25 of 40 for 243 yards. Essentially a pretty pedestrian football game. The majority of their points were field goals, by the way. They try to like go for a two-point conversion late in the game. I think they like tie up the game. And this was different from like the Green Bay game where Tom had kind of had one of those like vintage performances where he just like was like, I'm Tom fucking Brady and I'll just get back into the game. It wasn't it wasn't like that. It wasn't like as clean as that. Tom has been struggling all season, and I don't think that it was, and I think that it's obviously because he also doesn't have, like, a great offensive line. It doesn't matter how fast Tom Brady gets the ball out of his hands when he's just pressured literally on every single down. It's why he's, it's why that clip of him yelling on, uh, yelling, yelling, excuse me, at his offensive line was, like, so telling because he, like, Tom understands how important the offensive line is. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's why Tom has like never gone into a season with like a bad offensive line until now, because he's just, he's not the same player. He needs time. He needs poise. He doesn't want to get hit. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's obvious that Tom is playing badly. He goes up against the Panthers this weekend. I think that's that that's a win for Tampa Bay. But Tom, I think this is his like his swan song. I think this is it for him. This is like his final season. Obviously, this is the this is the day Max Kellerman has been waiting for. I think I don't want to say he's fallen off a cliff, but he's not as good as he once was. Like literally a year ago. And hey, shit happens. He's old. He's like. 45 years old. Shannon's white, right? He's 45 years old. It, like, it happens. It's not something that necessarily uh, is rare. It's just, it sucks that, you know, it's happening to the greatest football player of all time. What does this mean, like, long-term for Tampa Bay's, like, future prospects at, like, doing anything this offseason? Or not even this offseason, excuse me, but just, like, this regular season? Like, Tampa's Tampa's not a contender this season. Tampa's not a contender. I think that's very, very obvious. Tampa is... Tampa's potentially going to be mediocre. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Anything else I got for this weekend... From this weekend, then I think it's uh you know what? Let's talk about let's talk about the Dallas game. Like I'm trying to like get through some of this stuff. Hold on. Sorry about that. Let's talk about the Dallas versus the Eagles game. So, and oh my God, we got to talk about, we have so much stuff to talk about today. Oh my God. There's like so many, so many things. You know what? I'm just going to go through all of the games right now. We talked about college football for a little bit. We talked about uh, the Bucks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's fucking talk about, let's get it out of the way. I don't want to, I don't want to delay. Let's fucking talk about the fucking absolute fucking disaster 
that was and is the Broncos game versus the Chargers. Oh my fucking God. I cannot, I cannot believe how abundantly bad the Denver Broncos are. They're, they're done. They're over with. They're not a real football team until potentially they fire Matt Rule. Matt Rule isn't a very good football coach. Or not Matt Rule, Nathaniel Hackett. Again, I'm a little bit tired. I apologize. But Nathaniel Hackett isn't a real football coach. Holy fucking Christ. He's not very... Like, his his team is so unprepared and so just, like, dysfunctional. As evident by last night's game. I was sitting up watching that game and I was mortified when it went into overtime. Because the last motherfucking thing that I wanted to do was watch the Denver Broncos play another overtime football game. And yet that's exactly what I had to do last night. I had to watch yet another fucking overtime football game by the Denver Broncos. It was an absolute joke of epic proportions. And the fact of the matter is, is that the Chargers didn't fucking play that well as well. That's the obnoxious thing. It's just like, wait, you motherfuckers didn't play well. The Chargers didn't. You could have won the game if you were the Denver Broncos. I was sweating bullets. I'm over. I am over. Brandon Staley and Nathaniel Hackett, two of the worst coaches in the NFL, duking it out in a mud pit of horrendousness. For like three straight hours, I was uberly annoyed with them last night. I was just like, I cannot, cannot believe how fucking bad the fucking Denver Broncos and the, uh, I was about to say San Diego Chargers again, but the Los Angeles Chargers. And it's like, you want to know what was frustrating? You want to know what was like the big thing for me coming after that game? It was the, um, it was the fucking, what was it? It was one of the earlier touchdowns by the Denver Broncos. It was like this blown, I think it was to Greg Dolce. It was the, uh, it, it was like this blown coverage with like, J, or it, maybe it was KJ Hammond. It wasn't even a touchdown. It was just like a big play. It was like this blown coverage by like JC Jackson in the safety. And KJ Hamler just like runs by them and they just don't play it correctly at all whatsoever. And I'm like, these are your guys. These are your guys. They shelved out so much money. So much fucking money. So much money for JC Jackson. They shelved out so much money for fucking Khalil Mack. They had so much promise with these players. And they were awful last night. So awful. And Russell Wilson is so... uh, It was like more of the same for what we've seen for like the last month. Russell Wilson is horrifyingly bad. Horrifyingly bad. And 
I am consistently, perpetually stunned and speechless at how consistent Russell Wilson is at disappointing me. He just disappoints me. He pulls down his pants and he shows his bare ass every single Sunday or Thursday or Monday. If it, if if fate is so cruel that I have to watch him on Monday or Thursday or Sunday, I have to watch him because the NFL thought that it was a great idea to have all these fucking primetime games with the Denver Broncos and all these fucking different slots. And so America, guess what? Get ready. Get ready. He is fucking awful. And the worst part is his teammates, his former teammates, like Richard Sermon and I think even Marshawn Lynch came out. I haven't seen like the full clips, but even now they're coming out and lambasting him as well. And he hasn't found his footing at all. Denver is mind bogglingly bad. I think we're almost out of the woods. We're almost out of the woods. I don't think they have another. They have a primetime game against the Chiefs which will be a joke. And then they have like an 8.30 a.m. game or 9.30, excuse me, a.m. game against the Jags on uh, the day before Halloween, on October 30th. Thank God. That's it. Chiefs versus Broncos and then Jags versus Broncos. That's it. Those are your two like primetime games, but even then uh, primetime for the Denver Broncos real realistically means uh, when it when it comes to the Jags, it's like literally in the morning, so you don't have to watch that game. I'll watch it because that's what I fucking do. But Denver's a mess. Denver's terrible. Oh my fucking god, are they? Are they? God, 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 God awful. And then to make matters worse, the. Uh, I was about to say Indianapolis Chargers, and then I was about to say the San Diego Chargers. I had to, like, stop myself twice because of how tired I am of these football teams just making an absolute mockery of themselves on national television. But the Los Angeles Chargers as well, their joke, Justin Herbert is obviously hurt. They should have sat his ass down weeks ago. I said as much. And they let him fucking play. I said that they should bench him. They were like, he's tough. He'll play. I'm like, you guys are morons. And they they have continued to let him play the sport of football uh, to help them win games. And here we are. We're one of the best quarterbacks is playing hurt. And it's obvious. And then it's just like, you want to know what? Russell Wilson, it's it's like a head-scratcher, you know? It's like, first, he, like, I don't know if he's hurt or not, you know? Like, first it was, well, he has the same injury that Dak has. And yet he was playing. I am so annoyed with Nathaniel Hackett in the Broncos. If he has the exact same injury that Dak Prescott had a month ago, and da- and it's sidelined Dak for like a month, not a month ago, excuse me, a year ago, but it sidelined him for like a month. He didn't do essentially any throwing until he was like cleared. He has like, Russell Wilson has this like this pitcher's strain of like an injury where it's like this muscle that's like right underneath his elbow or not his elbow, excuse me, but his armpit is like strained. It's like a pitcher's injury. 
And the Denver Broncos are like, yeah, we'll fucking play him. And I'm like, oh, God, this is the exact same injury that was like, yeah, Dak, you know, you're just, uh, you're not going to play football for a month. Just like, I, I just don't understand why the fuck they didn't do the exact same thing. Jerry Judy and uh, Melvin Gordon were like seen being annoyed with Nathaniel Hackett. I think Nathaniel Hackett deserves to be fired here very, very shortly. The, like they're both of these two teams that played on Monday night football. When I saw the lineup, I groaned and moaned because I was like, this is going to be a joke. And it absolutely was both teams were terrible. There was like nothing redeeming about these two teams. I don't care that the chargers are four and two. I don't care who's in the AFC West. They aren't going to challenge the chiefs. Congratulations chiefs. You won the division by default because every single one of your teams in the division is overrated. They're garbage. And more importantly, and more specifically, they have no competition. Because every single one of their head coaches in the division is a fucking idiot. Cannot do very basic things. Cannot do very basic things. You know what we'll do? I've been saying it all podcasts. We've been, uh, we've been going for almost an hour. I'll end with Dallas and we'll wrap up all of the games, all of the other games tomorrow. I apologize. It's super late. I've been watching a bunch of Gundam and sports so we'll wrap this up tomorrow we'll wrap everything up we'll go over every single game tomorrow but I want to talk and I want to end the podcast with the Cowboys and the Eagles so first and foremost everybody's gonna shit on the Cowboys and say well the Eagles are the best team in the NFL what was uh what was some of the power rankings let me just google it Hold on. Those are power rankings. Uh, I think the Eagles are probably going to be number two. I'm on Dan Houses' power rankings. And yeah, Eagles number two, Bills number one. You know what? I'll save this for tomorrow because... The conversation with the Eagles that I'm going to have. No, I I should talk about it today, tonight, really. So. The reason why, right, I'm going to like have this conversation about the Eagles. And I'll have this conversation about the Bills as well. And then we'll go to sleep. I'll, I'll go to sleep. So the main the main like what's the word i'm looking for conclusion that a lot of people were able to draw from the eagles versus the cowboys is the eagles are one of the best teams in the NF- in in the nfc excuse me true the eagles beat the cowboys true but the eagles to me are a little bit overrated and i think the same thing goes with the bills with the Chiefs and the Cowboys being on the losing end of the stick when it comes to those two games, my thought wasn't, oh my God, these two teams are way, 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 way further away than what I initially thought when they had played. My initial reaction was, oh my God, if the Cowboys had had Dak Prescott after Cooper rushed through three interceptions, after Micah Parsons 
essentially uh, like uh, didn't pop off against Lane Johnson, but kind of did, to be honest with you, because he got held a bunch. And really, the entire scheme of the offense for the Eagles was schemed around him. By the way, Demarcus Lawrence, stop talking. Stop talking, Demarcus Lawrence. Oh my God, he had one awesome game and he fucking wants to pop off as, as if he's back with the hot boys like it was a couple of years ago. I'm like, Demarcus, do some shit. Don't fucking pop off if you're not going to do some shit. I get he wants to talk some shit, talk some shit. But please show up to the games. Because I'm like, Micah Parsons was getting killed out there. And like, Dorrance Armstrong is the only motherfucker that occasionally showed up. And I'm just like, God fucking damn. Can people help out Micah Parsons? Jesus H. Christ. Help my, help my fucking boy out. Help him out. Fuck me, man. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, Micah Parsons has to fucking, you know, rush the passer. He has to drop back in coverage. He has to do all this other shit. I'm like, can people help out Micah Parsons instead of Micah Parsons doing everything all the time on the defense? And if it's not Micah Parsons, it's Dorrance Armstrong. If it's not Dorrance Armstrong, it's some of the defensive linemen, the interior guys. If it's not any of those guys, it's Trevon Diggs or it's Donovan Wilson. Can somebody fucking help out Micah Parsons? Jesus Christ. Also, can the refs please throw a flag when Micah Parsons gets held, which is essentially on every single play because their offensive linemen are not very good. Thank you. So Dallas goes away against the Eagles, 17 to 26. They throw three interceptions. I don't think it's that big of a loss. See, Lamb is starting to find his footing. He's a lot more consistent. He's not going to like... And by the way, CeeDee Lamb has been kind of consistent all year. He only has two touchdowns on the year, but he has like almost 500 yards. He has like 409. He has 33 receptions. And he... Like he's, he's good for like five or six receptions essentially every single game. And he doesn't have Dak Prescott. And it's just like... Dak is really the wild card because if Dak comes back and if, and again, it's like if they can figure it out with Dak, I think Dak, not Dak, Dallas is going to be a Super Bowl contender and I don't even think it's close. But if they can't figure it out and if Dak doesn't play at a like a decent level, a high level, then it's just like it's, it's going to be a problem. It really is. We'll see what happens with the Cowboys. But yeah, like Cooper Rush throwing three interceptions. Dallas's defense being able to shut down the Eagles offense in the second half. And then almost being able to like come make a make a huge comeback is like a bit shocking to me. That I was like, hmm, Dallas Dallas was close. They really were. They were. A lot closer than a lot of people gave them credit for. Cooper Rush, by the way. Played like shit. Don't ever say that Cooper Rush is as good as Dak Prescott. The same thing goes for the Chiefs, right? Just as the Cowboys needed Dak Prescott, I think the Chiefs needed a big play wide receiver. And I think the exact same thing can be said about Green Bay. Look, I am 
so fucking tired of people telling me that, um, that, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm tired, not even of people, but I'm tired of like these teams not fucking being aggressive enough. When Odell's out there just hanging around, he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm here, baby. I'm here. I can play. I'm ready to play. He's right there. Teams are like hard pass. DJ Moore potentially is there for the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they need a downfield threat. Turns out when you have one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL and you take away his primary target, deep, short, and intermediate, and one of the biggest playmakers in the NFL, it kind of affects the quarterback. Turns out that kind of sucks. And that's what happened with the Chiefs. It's like, oh, we take away, we traded away Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes isn't, our offense isn't the same guy. Or the same um, offense, excuse me. Patrick Mahomes is the same guy. Patrick Mahomes is also pretty smart. He's like, I'm not going to put the ball in harm's way because you guys uh, made a mistake in free agency. I'm not you guys. I'm not very stupid. And so... Against the Bills... I just thought that the Chiefs lacked explosion. The Bills made so many mistakes. They let the Chiefs constantly hang in that game. I don't know why people think that Leslie Frazier is like this great defensive mind or this great defensive coordinator who uh, has like shut down the uh, the Chiefs and things of that nature. I just, me personally speaking, I don't see it, you know. I think he's a bit of a joke. I think if the Chiefs had had some of their guys... I mean, when you think about it, they have a below-average wide-receiving core, the Chiefs. Out of their entire division, I just wanted to be sure. I'm like, yeah, I think every single team in their division has a better wide-receiving core than they do. Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. It's just, it's just like, oh, yeah, like, you would take, you would take Devontae, oh, and Darren Waller. It's like, you would take Devontae. I get it, they have... Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey to me, and they've been using him a lot as like a deep threat. And I love Travis Kelsey. He's one of the best in the business. One of the best tight ends ever. But you can't use him as a deep threat. And they've been using him as a deep threat because he's their best wide receiver on the team. But he's not. He's a tight end. He's like, he's a great route runner. He's a big bodied guy. But when I watch Travis Kelsey play, he's not like Gronk. Like Gronk, prime Gronk, could do everything. And this is why, like, Gronk to me is, like, to me, if you want my honest opinion about it, Gronk is, like, top 10 player ever. Like, he was a dominant pass blocker and run blocker while also being, like, one of the greatest pass catchers in the game. It's like Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Lawrence Taylor, no particular order, by the way. Like, Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Lawrence Taylor, like, Gronk and Jerry Rice. Like, those, to me, are, like, the greatest upper echelon football players. And there's like obviously more and things of that nature. But like those five guys or four guys or however many guys that I just named off, like to me, Gronk is in that tier. And when I watch Travis Kelsey play, he has a lot of Gronk in him when it comes to his ability to like run routes. In fact, he's a better route runner than Gronk is. The only problem is Gronk could run routes and be physical. Like he could, 
he could use his size against DBs and corners and linebackers while also potentially posing as a threat as a blocker. And Travis Kelsey kind of doesn't. He just kind of gets in the way. But my point with Travis is whenever I watch him play, I don't think Travis is going to like just out physical somebody. I'm just like, Travis is going to, he's got a little bit of juice. He's got some wiggle. That's what, that's how he'll get open. But he's not very fast. Like long-term, like long speed, he's not very fast. And you need those big explosive plays, which is why I'm like, Chase, I don't know why you don't go out and get somebody for Patrick. I don't think they can win against the Bills long-term unless the Bills just make a shit ton of mistakes. And even though I just said that the Bills do make mistakes, I wouldn't count on the Bills making mistakes, you know? I wouldn't be like, hey, you know, the Bills are going to like, like uh, throw an interception or do this or do that. I would just be like, look, we know that they make mistakes. They'll probably make mistakes, but I'm also going to assume the worst. I'm going to assume that they play mistake-free football and things of that nature, and we'll go into the game prepared like that. You know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. But the Chiefs, they they need another guy. Whether that's Odell, whether that's DJ Moore, I don't really know. Even kind of the Ravens have kind of admitted that. They're just like, eh, we kind of need somebody else. We need somebody who can stretch the field. And teams right now are having these issues. And Nick Wright kind of said it where he was just like, teams are playing a lot of shell coverage. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue, right? It's an issue in the sense of offenses, for some weird reason, aren't able to run block as well and exploit the weak coverage in some offenses don't even know how to exploit the weak coverage, the shell coverage, the two high safeties with the two linebackers and the four defensive linemen. The reason why they're playing with two linebackers and not three is because they have three wide receivers on the football field and a lot of teams, a lot of offenses. If you put that third linebacker on the football field, and some people don't understand this, they'll just put their best wide receiver on the inside. That's how Cooper Cup gets lined up against linebackers. That's how Devontae Adams gets lined up against linebackers because they'll they'll freaking match you in your set zone or, or your man zone or whatever. They'll match your coverage with a wide receiver. They'll match your linebacker with a wide receiver. They don't care. They'll do it. They'll embarrass you. They'll expose you on national television. But the Chiefs, they need, they need, they need, they need, they need, they need another guy. They need another guy. It's it's plain as day. I don't even need to see the rest of the season. They need another guy. So, that was like one of the things that I just took away from this weekend. I'm piecing out for tonight. It's a little bit late. We'll talk about the Packers' loss to the Jets, which was absolutely abominable, as well as Seattle beating the Arizona Cardinals, which, again, abominable. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I I mean, I wouldn't say I should see this coming because it's just like, I don't know how I would have, to be honest with you. But, again, there were a lot of upsets this weekend. I predicted one correctly, being the Falcons versus the Niners. Niners are a joke. Falcons, um... Stop winning games if you want to uh, to have a high draft pick, please. Please, I'm watching Anthony. I'm watching Anthony Davis right now. So bad. I feel so bad for LeBron. Like there's been like two series where 
Anthony Davis was like this, oh my God, and Russell, the Lakers are so fucked this season, man. Oh my God. Let me just describe to you like the last two series on offense and on defense, right? So Anthony Davis gets fucking bodied by Kavon Looney. Like Kavon Looney probably should have gotten an and one. He like scores on Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis on like the other end tries to pull the exact same move on Kavon Looney and he gets like, he doesn't finish at the rim. And then he like tries to hit like a, um, a reverse pivot inside out, like move. And he like, he fucking clinks it off the, off the fucking rim. And then they put it and then they fucking, they swung the ball outside to Russell Westbrook pocket three bang air ball. And it was like one of those air balls that like, it, it's not short, it's too far, and it like doesn't hit the rim, and it just like landed in a Golden State Warrior hand, and I'm like, God, it's going to be a long season for the Lakers. I feel so bad for LeBron. I got to watch another series. My eyes are like, I've been watching this game like passively, and I'm like, my eyes have been glued. Le- LeBron hasn't had a great game. It's opening day. I was about to say LeBron just had another turnover. He did not. It's going to be a long. Russell Westbrook just had another turnover. Long day for the Lakers. Don't call a timeout. I want to see another one. In the third quarter, the Lakers have like come apart. Jeannie Buss, I think, is like sitting front row. She cannot be happy with this. I don't know why. Can I go on a rant here? I don't know why the Lakers didn't trade away Russell Westbrook. I would have just like been like, he didn't want to be a Laker. I'm like, out, get him out. I'm not doing this with, uh, with Russ. He's obviously nowhere near as good as he needs to be. And I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't fucking understand it. I don't understand why we're just like trying to pretend like Russell, Russell Westbrook is like anywhere near as good as fucking like he once was like a year or two ago. Way too many Russell Westbrook fans are like, he's good, he's good. And it's just like, no, he's fucking not. I don't understand why. People, like, lie to themselves. Jesus fucking Christ. But it's it's a disaster. The Lakers, goodness gracious, it's already, like, it's like, bro, like, this is the first fucking game, and it already looks so rough. I can't believe it. Anyways, um, I'm peacing out. I'm tired. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk more about these football games. It ran a little bit long. I talked about Bryce Young and like Kenny Pickett a lot tonight. Notice how I haven't talked about CJ Stroud. I didn't watch that Ohio State game. I was too busy not watching it. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't need to see this game. I'm like, I know he's going to whoop whoever he was playing because it's just like, it was like, I don't even know who Ohio State was playing, but when I saw who they were playing, I was just like, it doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. It's like, it, like, it's Ohio State against like a scrub. I didn't even watch that game. Anyways, I'm peacing out for tonight. I'll see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. 24th podcast.